Thank you for listening yeah, to I'll the Fields I'll Brothers Show. Yeah. Are you close enough to the mic there? Did they hear you? Yeah, I think so. You going to edit that out? I heard it through the mic. So now we're good. Look there. Well, anyway, I'm Roger Fields. I'm here with Jeff Fields. Where this is the Fields Brothers Show. Welcome. And we have a guest today. This Jeff. is an unusual yeah. podcast. So go ahead and tell them what's happening. And we are recording this. I've always wanted to say this. Uh, Fields Brothers Show podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience. That's true this time. This is the first time that's ever been I true, put on but... my collared shirt for this, too. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> but we... Um, so we so we uh we we have no laugh track by the way so our studio audience which is behind me we have no laugh track so you're on your own to know when to laugh and and all that but um do have a guest with us today last podcast we teased this that there will be a, a guest with us and i am genuinely very happy to have david moss in uh in with us here this is only the third time roger we've been doing this for about Three years or something like that. We, I think this fall will be three years. Yeah, okay. almost. Three, and there's, yeah. this is only the third time we've had another person besides you and me. One time we interviewed Wayne Jacobson, yeah, um, but, by telephone or Skype, whatever. Studio, he wasn't right. here. He was in California. And we had Brewster McLeod uh, that helped us start McLeod's Brewster. Coffee House. Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah, Brewster was in here. Wasn't we did. Yeah. Well, he wasn't here. We did that one at oh, the we coffee did it house. At the coffee house. That's right. That's but, right. So for only the third time we have a guest. So uh, David Moss, uh, David, say hello first of all, just to kind of so everyone knows that we're not making this up. Uh, this is David Moss. This uh, thank you for having me here, Roger and Jeff. Uh, I am in the precarious position of sitting between the Fields brothers, so hopefully no brotherly fights break out. But thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, Roger can edit any, uh, if you, you know, say anything that's false doctrine or anything like that, Roger will edit it out. In the, um, so if we tell you later on, oh, I don't know what happened. Your, your mic just wasn't working for some reason, then, you know. Y'all might be busy after this one. Yeah, normally we, these podcasts are about an hour long, but when I, once I get through editing out the false doctrine down, it comes about twenty five <laughs> minutes. So you know, <laughs> so a little a little background here, and um, I want to give you a chance to kind of share your story. And uh, you and I became friends basically through the marvels of Facebook. Um, we've mentioned on this podcast a time or two that Roger and I are both contributors for a couple of uh, Facebook groups that uh, share the good news of Jesus Christ and grace and the new covenant, and so. We, um, David is also a contributor to one of those groups. And so Dave and I got to know each other a little bit through that. And one of the things that caught my eye one time, David, I, I think I told you this before, but what I noticed is that you had the Cincinnati Reds logo on your Facebook profile as a, as an interest of yours. And so that kind of struck with me. Yes. I grew up a big red machine fan in the seventies for sure. But you live where? So tell folks where you live. I live in the Memphis, Tennessee area, pretty what, much born and raised there. And what do you do there? Uh, I'm an optometrist, an eye doctor. Been doing that for 31 years. So Dave and I first got to know each other online that. Uh, David's uh, wife, Amy, is here in the studio with us. And so we have a packed uh, packed room today for a studio audience. And this, this is the first time we've ever, first time we've ever had anybody just watching the podcast. I'm, I'm a little nervous about this. I'll just let you know. Uh, it's it's a new experience for me. Okay. Well, you'll make it through. So, having, a, uh, just, having a live just audience. I'll, I'll help you out here. She's but. taking notes over there. So. <laughs> Making sure y'all do it right. So um, we met, uh, so Dave and I met online through the, the Facebook group uh, probably a little over a year ago and uh, messaged back and forth and communicate quite a bit and texting and all that. And um, just met in person for the first time back in June of this year in Dallas when the uh, Network 220 convention was there. So Dave and his wife, Amy, attended that and uh, Teresa and I attended that. So met in person then, got to spend some time with him. And so worked it out for him to, uh, him and his wife, Amy, uh, to join us 
here in the Lexington, Kentucky area for a weekend. So they got in late last night, and uh, we got a whole weekend of activities uh, planned coming up, going to a Cincinnati Reds game later tonight. And so I'm um, looking forward to a big weekend, playing some golf on Monday, Roger. Dave is going to help us out with the um, Roger, do the you want to come watch us? You know, I, I, would, I would love to come to that, but I've got to sort my socks <laughs> that day, and uh, so I won't be able to make it. Or a root canal would be better, yeah, too. Right? So, so um, but when I knew David was coming here, I, I told him, I said, we would, I would love to have you on the podcast sometime, because David very much has an appreciation for the same things that, that we have come to appreciate in terms of uh, God's grace and the new covenant, the reality of Christ as our life. And so, and I've heard David share a little bit before about, how he came to that. So I don't know how much of it you want to tell David, but tell a little bit about how, you know, you're growing up here. I mean, the kind of how you develop your uh, view of what the Christian life is all about and then how that, how that uh, dramatically changed. Well, I grew up in a, in a Christian home with uh, two terrific parents who um, couldn't be more blessed to have them as parents, but I grew up in church, um, got saved as a, as a boy. I don't really know exactly when, but uh, I was I was a boy, and um, we were we were in church a lot. Um, but honestly, in my growing up years, I wasn't. I was mo- almost always interested only in sports. Uh, that was my pretty much my life. I uh, didn't give a lot of thought to spiritual things uh, until I got in college, and uh, started going to a uh, to another church, and um, I learned what I had to do to be pleasing to God, and it was a long list. And so being the uh, person that I am who was used to working for what I obtained, um, I got to work on the list, and um, it was tedious, to say the least. Um, um, They say memorize some scripture. I wouldn't memorize just a few. I'd memorize chapters and whole books of the Bible. I got to comment about that. Let me see if you'd agree with this, David. You know, you're, you're a, um, you know, you're an achiever, and um, you, um, you obviously had to go through, it, you know, a lot of education to, to be an opt- optometrist. Um, I, I want, I've often wondered if that personality type that, um, you know, kind of pushes forward with, I don't know, things in life to be successful. Um, if that if that type of individual does find it a little more difficult. To accept grace because we really are wired that way, you know, to achieve, to accomplish, to do things, to kind of get where we want to go in life. And I have met, it seems to me, now I, you know, this is anecdotal, but when I talk to people who aren't wired that way, who maybe we would say, you know, with the world standards is not maybe as successful, they do tend to find, I think, have an easier time accepting grace because they, that's not the way they've been functioning anyway. Does that make sense to you? Do you agree with that, or do you see? What, do you yeah, what I'm I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, you know, I worked hard to be good in sports and was reasonably successful at that. Worked hard to get grades and become an eye doctor. Was successful in doing that. But this Christian life thing was was difficult because no matter how hard I worked, I never got there. As a matter of fact, the harder I worked, the more disappointed I felt God was in me, and so I just kept pulling myself up by the bootstraps and kept on working as hard as I could, thinking I'm going to get there one of these days. But um, it took did about you, 10 years. It took about 10 years before I burned out of that. I mean, during that process, did you occasionally kind of, I'm guessing, like a lot of us, we would have brief times of feeling pretty good. You know, you, you kind of do something new or, or accomplish something else kind of 
in the on the Christian ladder, and you kind of feel good for a while, but it just doesn't last. Then very very soon, you still feel like you haven't done enough. Is that sound right? Well, exactly. Uh, it requires perfection to maintain that feeling of like you're doing good, and of course that's impossible. So there's a there's a fall off pretty quick. See, and and in, in most of most of life is kind of what we call finite. In other words, you graduate from school, you get you know you get, you graduate, you get a diploma, um, you you know set up an office. There are there are kind of goalposts. There's times you can kind of spike the football. Yes, I did it. Boom, got it. Made that touchdown. Did it. And so much of the way Christianity is projected to us, you can never do that. If it's if it's based on performance and works, you never feel like you got across the goal line. You never feel like you've done what's required of you to be whether we call it a good Christian or to be pleasing to God or whatever. And that's the fallacy of the law system. You agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, it seemed like the more I did, the more disappointed God seemed in me. I, I just saw him as uh, up in heaven watching me and just disgusted. You know, I would mess up and he would, he was in a swivel chair. He'd swivel around. You know, because God can't look on sin. He turned his back on you. Turn my back on, turns back on me, and then I would confess, ask for forgiveness, and he'd swivel back around. Then I would do something else and back around, and he'd take a swig of Pepto Bismol, and that that was uh, that's <laughs> yeah. what I thought the Christian life. Was. And, and, and I think that's the experience of a, probably most people in Christianity, and it's it's a circular thing. You go around in circles. You feel pretty good one day when you're doing all right, and no major sins. And it swings back around. You're disappointed with yourself. You believe God's disappointed with you, and you just and then you somehow or another you just kind of struggle again, get back in where you feel like you're doing better, and you spend after a few you know a couple of decades of that that begins to wear on you a little oh, bit. No doubt, it's a, it's just a system of trying to obtain, maintain, and sustain. Then you end up. I mean, early on, I think a lot of people are really enthused about it. I mean, they're not doing it. I mean, they're they're think this is it. They're really enthused, and then but. The point you start drying up on the inside, so you just keep doing the external things for a while, but it feels dry on the inside. But then eventually, that that you know, for a lot of people, that kind of caves in too. It reminded me the um, you, you we both met uh, in Dallas, Joe Langley. You remember Joe? Yeah, oh, uh, David, yeah. pastor Joe. in, in mm-hmm. Waxahachie, and he shared something on Facebook the other day. And then uh, he also mentioned him as actually as his wife Cheryl's the one that uh, came up with the idea. But Roger, I think you'll like this analogy that legalism is like an infomercial, where you know you see the infomercial and they describe something and you think that's all, and then but wait, there's more. There's, oh, and so great, in terms of you, like you, you got to do yes, all this stuff in yes. the Christian life, and then you kind of think, okay, if I just do that. Yeah. Then I'll be a good Christian. Then you do that, and then they tell you what? Now wait, yeah. there's more. There's and more. so there's always more that's added to on top of that. Yeah, so. uh, great analogy. Well, what kept me going was uh, I was a believer. I had a new heart in Christ. I didn't know that, but that new heart loved God, and so it keeps you going. I, you know, I want to please God because I love Him and I want His approval. So you, you keep pushing and striving and pushing and striving. But eventually, it came to a breaking point um, in, in the mid '90s for me. I was um, so yeah. What happened at that point? So yeah, I was uh, I was so, on lunch break from work, and um, I how, had just how old were you approximately at that around thirty ish? Okay, thirty thirty one, some there somewhere in there. Um, thanks for letting everybody know. How okay, <laughs> yeah, that's been a long time ago. <laughs> had it, but so like you're way older than us, then, isn't that right? <laughs> I think he's a tad younger than me, Roger, which makes him a lot younger than you. Uh, But, yeah, I was on lunch break, and I just – 
I don't know what it was about that day, but um, it's it's been so long I can't remember exact details. But I just felt such a weight, a burden, and I was tired of it. I was try- tired of trying to please God, and I told him that. I I was driving, and I just broke down emotionally and had to pull off the side of the road. And uh, I was just honest with God and said, I don't know what's wrong. Um, you know, I want to please you, but... I don't feel like you're ever pleased with me and I'm tired of it. I don't, you, Jesus talks about the abundant life and I don't have that. If I'm ever going to know that, I want you to show me what that is. Cause I have no idea what that is. Yeah. I mean, how many people can identify with that exact syndrome, yeah. you know, just can't do it. I've tried and tried and tried. I'm letting God down. I cannot do this, which is the whole reason God sent a Savior, is to get us out of that kind of cycle. And then we're told all these things we need to do, and then we, we feel like we're not doing them. We feel like God is kind of disappointed and put out with us. And then they tell us we need to spend some time with personal time with God. Well, who wants to spend time with someone if you feel like they're always it's disappointed in you and upset with you? And so then that just adds to the guilt. Cause, and so, um, so, you, so you're on this. We those who we think are, are upset with us. Yeah, for sure. So you're on the side of the road. Yeah, um, it's like I sensed in my spirit uh, the word finally. It's like uh, the Holy Spirit said finally. And, of course, he knows all things. He knew this day would come. But that's what I sensed in my spirit. Um, But uh, I was just ready to just just give up, basically. Um, But I went back to work, uh, was driving home that evening. This is about four hours later. Flicked on the radio. Don't usually listen to talk radio, but for some reason, amazing coincidence, huh? I, I flicked on uh, uh, the Christian, um, local Christian station, and a fellow was on there talking about total forgiveness. And I'd had a friend or about a year earlier talk about it, and I thought he was nuts. But um, my first reaction to that was, oh, that's that stuff that my friend was telling me about. You know, that's nonsense. And I started to flick the, the channel and, and it's like the the spirit said to me i thought you wanted me to show you and so so i kept listening and um it uh the more i listened the more intrigued i was the more fascinated i was and that um really made a huge difference and um of course that was bob george and the people to people uh, radio station back then, yeah, a nationwide call-in show. Um, so you say total forgiveness. Uh, describe what what do you mean? I mean, I know what you mean, but some people <clears throat> listening may not understand the difference. Or what what do you mean when you say total forgiveness? Well, once for all forgiveness. You know, so many people in Christian circles are told that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and forgave us, and we'll get to go to heaven one day. And to them, that's the extent of the gospel. Uh, but during, but that was only up to the point of salvation, and that was my belief that every sin after my point of salvation, it was up to me to confess, uh, to get more forgiveness from God, and it was a continual thing. I was a ser- what I'd label as a serial confessor because um, I wanted to be right with God, and uh, so I, if that's what I have to do, that's what I'll do. And it was <laughs> all day long. Some days it seems like so being forgiven was a just a continual process of you I knew confessing I was going to heaven, asking. but uh, I've, uh, what I'd been taught was my forgiveness was up to me um, on an ongoing basis, and so many people believe that. 
Well, I mean, there's just so many people that could identify with that exact same syndrome. You know, it is to me. I, I, the more you kind, of, I think you kind of grasp grace. The more you get blown away, and how we've missed it. You know, I mean, the gospel's pretty simple. Jesus came and died for your sins, not just for the stuff, not just for certain kinds of sins, not just for past sins, paid for your sins. But the idea that God would send a Savior just to take care of your past, and it's up to you to take care of everything. And a lot of us get, you know, come to the Lord if you're in a Christian family as a young child, so most of your sinning is still in front of you. You know, yeah. it's like, what, what you know, when, if, if you come to the Lord when you're 10 or 12 years old, you know, so, okay, great. Jesus took care of that. Well, but how much sinning did I do before I was 10 or 12 All, all these horrible sins yeah. you did when you were seven, yeah, you know. Yeah. But all my major sinning was after that, and I'm on my own at that point. I mean, it's just crazy the way we have dumbed down the gospel into this performance treadmill, and people have bought into it hook, line, and sinker, and they get frustrated or they just bail on it eventually. And so, David, you, you no longer ask for forgiveness correct and and you no longer can well i have come to the realization that forgiveness is found in christ uh if talk about that one seven um since i am in christ and he is in me i am a totally forgiven person and that is because of his doing his shed blood on the cross um those verses talk about that uh we are we are redeemed and forgiven in christ by the shedding of his blood, by his grace, not by our confession, and not by our our seeking it. Um, so we have everything we need for life and godliness in Christ. And when you are in Christ, you have it all. And I, that's what I never realized before. So you're forgiven not because of what Jesus did on the cross, plus your feeling sorry, or plus your asking, or plus your crying out, or whatever. It's the sacrifice of Christ on the cross plus nothing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's and that never changes. Christ, what Christ did for us. Now, obviously, I hate it when I sin, uh, and I'll talk to God about that. Uh, we'll have a conversation, and I, I, he knows I hate it, and that's my new heart. But I don't go to him to, to obtain more from him because I have everything I, uh, that I can possibly have. It's, uh, it's just talking to your best friend about it. Another another analogy, Roger, I just heard uh, a couple days ago that um, someone compared it to, I thought this was pretty good, compared it to like country club dues. Most country clubs, there's an initiation fee. You, know, you pay this huge initiation yeah. cost, but then you pay your annual dues. And if you don't pay your annual dues, then you're not in good standing or you could eventually get kicked out. And a lot of people, I think, see our relationship with God that way. Yeah, Jesus paid the initiation dues on the cross to get us in. But if we want to stay in good standing, then we need to. Yeah, the, pay the that, where that breaks down is that a country club is a whole lot more fun than a religious <laughs> treadmill. You know, at least for a country club, you get tennis and golf, I guess, and yeah, a swimming pool. Listen to that, David. Yeah, and golf. You know, <laughs> but you know, with a uh, with this religious treadmill, all you get is a lifetime of just striving and struggle and never feeling like you live up. And, and so, David, when you then I assume once you realize you're completely forgiven, then you just ran wild and quit caring about God, and you just started sinning left and right. Is that the way it happened? Not exactly. Okay. All right. We'll get <laughs> I it. fell in love with Jesus. Uh, for the first time in my life, I felt loved and accepted by God. See, I knew God loved me. I mean, that's he loves everybody, though. So it wasn't anything totally special to me. Um, but 
for the first time, I realized I had been striving for his acceptance of me all those years. And when I realized I had that, oh my goodness, I could relax. But it was, it was, it was that just being able to actually enjoy God. Cause like we said earlier, if you feel like someone's upset with you, God's upset with you, you're not going to really want to cozy up to him. Uh, but then, then learning that he let actually and literally lives in me to live through me. Uh, that was the next, the next thing that was shown to me. And, um, the forgiveness was first, and then that, and then that takes it to another level that he's in me to live the Christian life through me. That I don't have to strive anymore. I can rest in him and what he's done uh, for me, and what he can do, can and will do in and through me. So what? So that day, so you you cried out to God that day on your lunch break. A few hours later, on your way home, you come come across Bob George on the radio, and you hear about this total forgiveness. You almost turned it off, but didn't. And so, I mean, did that? Did it kind of all come together, or that part of it all come together that day, or did, did that just get you thinking about it, or kind of how? What was that process like, or how long did it take for that part to kind of sink in? Well, that very day, of, of course, it, it didn't all come together, but it, it got me curious and seeking. And um, the more I studied, the more I learned, uh, the more the Bible made sense. The Bible never really made sense uh, all that all that much. I just saw it as a basically a textbook from cover to cover of of basically a manual of how to live and the old testament commands were just as important as the new testament ones and uh but once once i understood the new covenant divide at the cross and saw the difference in the in the covenants oh my goodness the pieces just fell into place Mm -hmm. and it was it was just amazing i devoured just books and scripture and and i couldn't get enough I think that that's so that is so true. You know, it's like when you you grasp the, that the gospel is what Jesus paid for us totally. So much of the scripture then makes sense for the first time. Like when you read stuff about joy, ah, I get it now. Or peace, oh, that's what like they're we're not supposed about. to talk about it. I yeah. mean, until you know, many times, most or you know, so much of our life, yeah, it really didn't make sense. But you don't tell anyone yeah. that you don't think it makes sense because like, it seems to, it was it a seems concept. To, it was like a Christian concept, but it wasn't a reality. And you feel like we're the only, you know, feel like I'm the only one that doesn't think it makes sense. Everybody else seems to think it makes right, sense, and right. everybody else That's understands true. all this, and I'm the only one that does, and then you realize, well, nobody else understands yeah. this either. They kind of see the contradictions, or just kind of, they got so used to it, they don't yeah. even think about it It's almost anymore. like you reread the New Testament, and you just see it in a whole new light. Right. I mean, it's just a whole, yeah. new, whole, like a whole new book. So one of those contradictions, and I want to, I want to bring this up, uh, Dave, was something you posted a couple weeks ago that I really liked um, in, in the Facebook groups. Um, and so it's the Facebook groups, we mentioned these from... from uh, Time to time, we got Religion Free Fellowship and Freedom in Christ Movement are the two Facebook groups. Uh, if, for those on Facebook that may not already have, have uh, teamed up with those, you can see some of the stuff that David writes. But you made a post, and I, and I just loved what you wrote about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So this is one of those things where you know Jesus talks about blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and there's songs written about it, and you can hear it from the pulpit and, and the books of how important it is that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, David Moss, do you today, do you, do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? No, sir. <laughs> wow, did you hear that, Roger? <laughs> okay, we'll be cutting this podcast off now. We're, uh, we'll have to edit a lot of this. So. Okay, so the I'll, I'll tee that why, up for you. Okay. Do, do you want me to? Yes, yes. Okay. So, what did, what did you share? Briefly, kind of share what you put in that post on Facebook. Uh, yes, if you're full of something, well, I'll go back. My birthday was recent, and my wife cooked my favorite meal for me, and I ate 
way too much and was absolutely stuffed. So what was that? What was your what's your favorite meal, David? I gotta know. <laughs> well, what's it called? Anyway, anyway, you know what your favorite meal is called, David? <laughs> it's got chicken. It's got chicken in it. It's got uh, noodles. This white sauce. This white sauce. And oh my goodness, it is is delicious. All right. And I got stuffed, and uh, if somebody had come to me right after that meal and said, hey, you need to hunger and thirst after your favorite meal, I would have said, no, thank you. I'm full of it. And that's the way it is with our righteousness. Jesus said, that blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. But then um, once we come to him, we are made the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21. So we are full of his righteousness. No hunger and thirsting necessary. We uh, When you are full of it, why would you be hungry and thirsty for it? In one of the verses you mentioned uh, in in that post, uh, John 6, 35, that whole chapter where he talks about, you know, that he's the bread of life. Yes. It's after the feeding of the 5,000, which is a picture of that. You know, that feeding of the 5,000 is not a picture of how we're supposed to be like the little boy and do this or that, but it's a picture right. of how Jesus is the bread that, that fills us up. But John six thirty five, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst and so you know a lot of times we hear verses like that people say amen then the next time we're told well you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness and we say amen to that without without ever thinking wait both of those can't be true right you know don't tell me to hunger and thirst after righteousness if jesus said he who believes in he will never hunger and thirst and jesus talking about the fulfillment of that was after he died and resurrected which is what he would often do and so that's there again. It's kind of a before and after the cross kind of thing. Before the cross, there was stuff about you know hungering for righteousness. But after the cross, the Book of Romans is really a testimony to the fact that Jesus now gives you His righteousness as a gift. Yes. So, anything else from that post that you remember, David? That or is that pretty much just the idea that we were hungering? But if when you know Jesus, He is your righteousness. Yes. It's a matter of believing. It's so many matter- Christians don't know that they, that they, they are full of Christ's righteousness. So, so the, like me, I strive to obtain it, not knowing I already had it. But uh, once you realize it and, and revel in it and just live from the resources of who he is and his righteousness and who he's made us to be, you're not hungry anymore. I've always wanted to say this again at the end of it. Fields Brother Show podcast today was recorded in front of a live studio audience. But David, really appreciate you coming, and uh, I'm pretty sure there have been a lot of folks out here have been touched by that and can resonate with that, and uh, appreciate you being here and do this again sometime. I sure appreciate you having me on.